0: Amen. Won't you praise God? Put your hands together for this band, for Diamond Sneed. We must have been on the same prayer line this morning um, because I'm preaching victory over fear this morning. Amen. 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 Won't you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you, we glorify you, we do honor you because you are God and God alone. We have in some cases made fear and idol in our lives and we have been confronted with those things that you have told us to do but then what fear has told us not to do. And so this morning, we repent of every time we have followed fear instead of following you. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will cause us to leave this place, leaving fear behind, living fearless lives with victory over fear in every area of our lives. For your word says that you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will give us the practice to line up with that principle, Preach through me today to these, your people. Help us leave here better than we were when we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, want you praise God for this band, for Diamond. Amen. You may be seated. I want to, uh, just to close out this month, I want to jump into uh, some preaching on this subject of fear. Uh, we've been talking... Uh, this month, trying to lead up into Easter uh, by talking about Jesus, uh, talking about this very socially conscious aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to pivot and talk a bit about overcoming fear. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, and the tag of today's sermon is victory over fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, from the New Living Translation. Second Timothy chapter one, verses six and seven, it says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames, the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self discipline, power, love, and self discipline. Once again, we'll talk about victory over fear. I got any Jay-Z or Beyoncé fans in here? Beehive, members of the Beehive in here today? Um, There is an album that they did together a few years ago under the name The Carters. One of the songs on that album is titled I Can Do Anything. Any of y'all heard that? All right. And so in it, Jay has this line where he's like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? I have no fear of anything. Do everything well. I have no fear of jail. I was born in the trap. I have no fear of death. We all born to do that. The question I have for you this morning is, what would you do if you had no fear? If We were in the classroom when I, I so I used to be a high school teacher. If I was in the classroom, this would be the turn and talk time. But it's a question that I raise to you, and I don't simply raise it rhetorically. What would you do if you had no fear? Let me say to you honestly, I feel pretty good about where I am in life, but I know deep down in my heart that I could be further along, and I could have done more if it were not for fear. I share this moment of transparency because I know that I am preaching to the choir. You see, fear keeps ideas in notebooks. It keeps dreams in our heads. It, it silences our ideas and meetings, and fear even holds us back from love. Yeah, fear is a short word, but it carries with it long implications. I, I have learned that it will tether you to mediocrity and complacency, uh, or it will keep you in the safe zone of success that have easy successes that have easily come to you in life fear keeps us from stretching F- fear limits us to those easily attainable victories yeah fear keeps us on first base rather than stealing second fear what would it look like this year if it were not for fear How would your life look different so far as we have made it through four months in the year? What would have been different had it not been for fear? What New Year's resolutions would be checked off your list by now had it not been for fear? What plans would not have started and stopped had it not been for fear? What better energy would you have placed into your pursuits had it not been for fear? You you know that sometimes we half-heartedly pursue things as a hedge against failure so that we can tell ourselves that we didn't succeed because we really didn't try. Yeah, fear can be paralyzing and and debilitating. It, It can stop you in your tracks, but fear can also operate a bit more subtly. Yeah, fear doesn't discriminate. Fear haunts the mailroom and also the boardroom. Because the more comfortable you become in allowing fear, it'll take a hold of you. Yeah, fear makes itself at home in the core of interns, but it also resides comfortably in the C-suite. You don't age out of fear. One could argue that, no, you actually age into fear. Because the more comfortable you are allowing fear to live inside of you, the more it moves from just residing to actually reigning and controlling your life. Yet fear holds us back. And many of us realize that there is a glorious life on the other side of fear. On the other side of fear of failure. On the other side of fear of rejection. Uh, On the other side of all of this, there is this glorious life where we are not hindered by the possibility of not succeeding. We are not hindered by the possibility of being rejected. You know what that boldness looks like to me? It, It looks like the kid version of yourself that had very little to no talent. But enrolled his or herself in the middle school talent show. And some of you got up there and you just sang your little heart out in front of the 500 kids in your middle school and fear did not stop you from doing it. That boldness looks like the kid version of you that could meet a kid at the park and be bold enough to ask, would you like to play with me? And you do it without fear of rejection. So I ask again this morning, What would life for each of us look like if we were to leave this place, leave this service, leave this stream? But fear did not leave here with us. How much more of a free and liberated life would you live if you were able to leave fear behind? How much further would you go? Or even how much more fulfilled would you be, even if you didn't gain the successes that you wanted? But just the simple fact that you began to live with fewer regrets because you were not afraid to try. And so my heart's desire for you. And I believe my, within my whole heart that it is God's desire for you as well. is for you to walk away today living a new life, a bold life, a fearless life, a life of walking in victory over fear. The notion of living life unhindered by fear, what was a concern, a wish in today's text that Paul had for his young mentee by the name of Timothy. When he writes to him in what we have come to know as Second Timothy, Paul is encouraging him in his work, but also telling him how to be a leader in his work. Timothy is a preacher. He is a minister of the gospel. And even at a relatively young age, Timothy has been thrust into and entrusted with this leadership role in the church at Ephesus. But Paul writes to Timothy essentially from death row that this time Paul is not locked up in Caesar's palace. That this time Paul is not on house arrest. This time he is not simply in the Philippian jail. He is now enduring what would be his final imprisonment before execution. And Paul is locked up in a dark, dank, cold dungeon. The former former faithful followers have all betrayed Paul. In chapter 4 verse 10 he says that Demas has deserted him. In, in verse 14 he says that Alexander the metalworker had done him a great deal of harm. He is lonely. Only Luke is still there with Paul. He's cold, and he's bored, and Paul understands that this time he is likely, likely to lose his life. So what advice does death row Paul have for his understudy Timothy? What recommendation does Paul have for him as he looks back from the vantage point of the end of life, of a life of service to God? It is surely risk-taking And chance-taking and bold initiative that has gotten Paul in this trouble in the first place. And so what advice would Paul have for Timothy as he looks back and he replays the highlights of his life? Would Paul change anything? Would he do anything different? Would Paul change up something if he could vicariously live through his mentee, Timothy? What Paul states to Timothy should be an encouragement and a challenge To all of us here, this soldier of the Lord, this death row inmate for the gospel says in essence to Timothy, be fearless because God has given you power. And that is, in essence, all that I came to church this morning to tell you that that is, in essence, the occasion for this fellowship today. It is simply for me to tell you, like Paul told Timothy, whatever you do with your life, be fearless because God has given you power. I want to submit to you today three reasons in the text why Paul tells Timothy. And likewise, the Holy Spirit is telling us that we should not fear. First of all, because fear will suffocate your gifts. Yeah, because fear will suffocate your gifts. I got any grill masters in here or on the stream today? Got a few grill masters. <clears throat> Y'all are, are gas or charcoal people? Charcoal people, charcoal people. I got a five-year-old, so it's, it's, it's gas and go in our house. But, but if you've ever barbecued on charcoal... You know that if you want to get that fire in the grill to die down, all you got to do is put that top on it. And close the vent. What will begin to happen is that the fire will start to suffocate because the amount of air or oxygen that it's receiving has been reduced. On the flip side, if you want to increase the potency of that fire, if you want to make the fire rise, If you want to increase the volume, then you let the air hit it. You you fan the flames. And that fire that was beginning to die down begins now to ramp up. And the reason that it does that is because the flames have been fanned. This is, in essence, what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says to him in verse 6 that the gift that is within you, don't let that fire die down. In fact, he says to him, fan it into flames. He says this because he knows that Timothy, he knows something about Timothy. He has noticed in a way that Timothy, that Timothy as a good mentee is also timid. He knows that the issue with Timothy is not talent. It's his timidity. It's not that he does not possess the ability, but it's that fear will suffocate his abilities. So so Paul says to him in verse number six, this is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He says to him that flame, that fear is trying to suffocate, fan that flame, Let, let it erupt. Truth of the matter is, I'm talking to some folks whose gifts are being suffocated by the lid of fear this morning. I'm talking to some people here whose issue is not talent, but like Timothy, it's timidity. The the ability is there, but fear is there right along with it. You've got the skills, you've got the sauce, you've got the chops, but fear is what's sidelining you. I say to you, like Paul said to Timothy, stop allowing your gifts to be suffocated by fear and take the lid off and let your gifts take fire. Not only that, but secondly, Paul says to Timothy that you ought not fear because fear is a spirit that's not from God. It's right there in verse number seven. It says, for God has given us a spirit For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self discipline. Now, let me clear this up. We all have a natural. natural inclination toward fear. It is our fight or flight mechanism that keeps us safe. It is what keeps us from walking out in the middle of the street when a car is going to hit us. It is what our early ancestors leveraged to survive so that they could become our ancestors because when there was a big bear or a lion, something triggered in them to say it's time to run. So there is this natural thing that we have that is fear. But what Paul is talking about here is not this natural fear. He is talking about the irrational kind of fear that can cripple individuals from taking steps forward. For the past five years, uh, Carl and I have been raising a daughter and there was this certain phase in the development of her as a child or any children that they would just eat anything. And so she would eat the goldfish crackers that we gave her. She would eat the the baby food, disgusting uh, veggie, medley stuff in the pouch. She would eat the yogurt and the applesauce and the pineapples in the cup. She would eat everything that we gave her. There was a downside to this eat anything-ism of small children. Is that when I say that they go through a phase of eating anything, I mean they will eat anything anything, even the stuff on the floor. So we went through this phase during the first year of her life of teaching her that there were certain things that were okay to eat, namely the things that her parents gave her. But then there were other things that were not parent-given, it was not okay to eat. But Paul is essentially saying to Timothy, fear is a food that you are picking up off the ground. It is not parent given. It is not God given. He says to him, Lose the timidity, lose the fear, because God has not given that to you. Can I ask y'all a question for a moment? Who taught you to fear? Who, Who taught you to smother and to suffocate your ambition by playing it safe for fear of failure? Who taught you to limit your possibilities? Who taught you to be afraid of the word? No, who taught you to combat rejection by not even asking or not even pursuing in the first place? Who taught you to give things a half-hearted effort? And, 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 and the, the bigger question I have is who gave them the authority to do it? Now, I've told you why we should not fear The question that I know is on the minds of some of you today is, Pastor D, how can I overcome fear? I'm glad you asked. third and final point is that fear can be subverted by God's power. In the text, he does not tell Timothy that God has given you the spirit of courage as an anecdote to fear, He does not say God has given you the spirit of boldness as the cure for fear. What does he tell Timothy that God has given him that should cause him not to fear? He says to him that God has given you a spirit of power. Let's let's camp around that subject of power for a moment. There are various types of power when i was in middle school we we learned to make these little handheld platforms with these tiny led lights that they they were attached to these little small double a batteries which gave them power in our industrial arts class when i was a kid my mom had one of those early uh cell phones the the bag phones that you used in the car And, and and in order to operate it you had to connect it to the car's lighter port cigarette lighter port and from there that's where it got its power a few years ago i bought an suv and i noticed that to charge your phone it didn't have a cigarette lighter port instead it had a usb port so i bought a usb cable i plugged it into my phone and when i needed to charge my phone that's that's how i got power the, the spirit of power that Paul describes in 2 Timothy, which he tells Timothy God has given him as a substitute to his fear, it is not double A battery power. It, it is not cigarette car, cigarette lighter power. It, it is not USB port power. No, the word that Paul uses in the original Greek, Translates essentially as dynamite power. Paul says in essence to Timothy and likewise, the spirit is saying to us this morning that as a substitute for your fear. God has given you access to his dynamite power. It is in a real literal sense. God's power. The power that inherently belongs to him. Maybe the problem is that you don't realize that the God that you serve is not some double A power battery God. It's not some cigarette lighter to charge a cell phone God. He is not USB power God, but no, his power is explosive. It is dynamite. Paul refers to it in Ephesians as the power that God used when he raised Jesus up from the dead. It's the power that he used when he stood at that tomb of Lazarus, who had been in the grave for several days. And with that power, he called out his name. Lazarus, come forth. It's that power that he used to turn water into wine. It's the power that he used to part the Red Sea. Y'all know about this power. It ain't only the power that he used to turn water into wine. It is the power that he used to change you, to rearrange your life, to change your values. It is the power that he has used to open doors for you, to make ways when there was no way. And so Paul knew about this power. Which is why he said now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask or think. How according to the power that works within us. So my question for you this morning is since you have this power, what are you going to do with it? Since you have this power, what, what are you going to do with your ideas? Will you keep burying your ideas in the meetings simply because of your fear? When you have access to all of this power, so since you have this power, what are you going to do with your desire to go back to school? I'm talking to somebody now. Will you be afraid to apply for the program when you have access to the spirit of power? Since you have this power, what are you going to do with your ambition? Will you be afraid to pursue your ambitions when you have access to the spirit of power? Of power since you since you have this power what are you gonna do with it will you keep bearing your dreams will you settle for small thinking will you settle for small victories let me close with this you know they they say that the richest deposits on earth are not in gold mines the richest deposits on earth are not in diamond mines no cannot be found in the silver mines in Central and South America, no. The richest deposits, they say, are in cemeteries. Because in there are buried books that were never written, inventions that never saw the light of day, thoughts and ideas that never move beyond the mine. The richest deposits are not in the gold mines, the silver mines, or the diamond mines, but they are in cemeteries. So what will you do with your deposits? Things that God has deposited within you. Will you allow fear to make you carry them to the grave? Uh